Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in again to another awesome episode. You're going to love this episode. I have an amazing author on the show today. Real quick, before we get there, guys, remember you can listen to all my episodes anywhere you love to listen to podcasts. That's Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you love to listen to podcasts, you can find me there. Visit my website at www.hellomynameisjosh.com. That's www.hellomynameisjosh.com. You can listen to all my podcasts there. They're all archived and organized for your listening pleasure. And you can learn more about me and my books as well. Now, back to the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Success Show channel. I'm your host, Joshua Kangley, with another episode of Table Talks. What you were just listening to was an example, a clip of the music that you will expect to hear as you listen to the dystopian thriller, Calisandra Fractured. And I have the author on the show today, Stephanie Douglas. Hey everybody and welcome back to the show. You're listening to another awesome episode of Table Talks and I'm your host, Joshua Kangley, so happy to be with you here guys today, and I'm so excited to have you guys on the show because we have a very special guest on the show. We have an American young adult author who loves to dabble in the ominous, dissident, and vulnerable world of dystopian adventure. Now, Stephanie Douglas lives in sunny Southern California with her son and two snuggly cats. In her spare time, she enjoys hanging out with friends at her local beach, spending quality time with her son, singing whenever the mood takes her, and creating new and exciting storylines for future novels. I have on the show with me the author of Calisandra Fractured, Stephanie Douglas. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Josh. It's so great to be here. Yes, thank you. Thanks for talking about my two snuggly cats as well. They're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) What are the names? They were named by my son when he was quite young, so Little Boo and Little Max. Oh, Little cool. Max is snuggling right up next to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Very awesome. Well, Stephanie, thank you for being on the show. So excited to have you on and learn more about your book here and to learn more about you. So, you know, and I have to say too, quick before we get started, I did kind of check out an excerpt of the book, and I have to say it was something that I've never really experienced for as far as a reading experience. And it was it was very enthralling. So I'm excited about this. I've never experienced anything like it. I'm just excited to have you on and hear more about this book you have. 
Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what I've already described and your exciting dystopian thriller, Calisandra Fractured? I will be happy to do so. Thanks for checking out the excerpt on, on the website. You're right. There is a, 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 a one-of-a-kind cinematic experience with this, with the story in that I have made it um, I've added music, a musical element. So as you're reading, there are certain scenes that you'll read through and you can feel uh, the, the, what the characters are going through or feel just the mood of that scene through uh, strategic music that I've, I've placed there. So just, I'll back up just a little bit. Uh, as, as you'd mentioned, that I am the author of the dystopian thriller, Calisandra Fractured, and the story is about this 16-year-old girl named Cassie, who is startled awake in the middle of the night, and she discovers that everything she knows has changed, and her family is missing. Uh, the landscape's changed, the world's changed, and she's just not sure who she can trust. And so she takes on the name Calisandra to kind of be more incognito, and she's just, just trying to figure out throughout the story where is her family, what's happened, and discovers that she is in great danger and just does her best to stay safe in a very changed world. Uh, yeah, so it's an exciting story. A little bit about me is initially I am originally from the Seattle area, uh, which I love. I love Seattle. I love the I love the people and, and just the beauty beauty of Seattle. But when I visited some friends down here, gosh, a little over twenty years ago, uh, I realized how how the sunshine is really it really improves my mood it makes me so happy so I uh, within that year I moved down here and so I really do appreciate the sunny Southern California weather that we have it, it, it just brings a lot of sunshine into my own life and, and, and with my family you know uh, fun fact here I used to live in near near uh, Seattle for five years <gasps> when I was much younger and I can relate to that because I love the beauty out there, the Pacific Northwest. Really love it. But you're right, though. Uh, one thing is when you get back into the sunshine, you just realize the impact the sun does have on you. Where did you, where did you live? I lived uh, north, uh, small town Bellingham. Bellingham, oh Washington. Oh, I went to college in Bellingham. Oh, wow. I went to Western Washington University. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I had a lot of friends who were going there uh, at the time, mm -hmm. too. Yeah, very, very cool people. Uh, I love that city and uh, very fond memories of it. But you're right, mm -hmm. though. The sunshine, it's huge. It makes a big difference. It does. I don't regret the move at all. I know, I, And I will say that people come and visit me more often than I head back up there <laughs> <laughs> and you're so back to the book here just quickly um yes that was my experience about the book it captures the mood it, it seems to put you a little bit more into the story it's it's it kind of grabs you in there so that's my was my experience and the first time i ever wow. reading something like that so i super this seems like a very awesome project that is so meaningful. So when I wrote, so a little bit about the story, uh, I'll go a little deeper to kind of explain why I brought music into it. Uh, one of the characters, this resistance group called the Anastasi, and one of the main characters, Marissa, she is a singer and, and she is a part of this resistance group and how she communicates needs or, or, or 
messages to this other members of the group is through coded messages and songs. And so I thought it would be, as I, after I wrote the lyrics of her first song, I thought, wouldn't it be really immersive and cool if you could hear the music along with the audience as a reader? And so I wasn't really sure how I would make that happen, but I'm like, I would know it has to be possible. And one other feature, I wanted to make sure it was optional. So there, I know that reading is a very, very personal experience. And so I wanted to make sure that if, you know, some readers were like, I'll be distracted if there's music, that they wouldn't have to hear the music. But in my heart, and I love what you said, in my heart, I just felt that most people would be intrigued and find, like you did, that it that it brings them deeper into the story, almost like a cinematic type of quality to it. Mm-hmm. And so I went with the option in the story itself, whether you have a hard copy or you're reading through an electronic app um, or through the Kindle, so to speak, uh, you would there are QR codes, so you can use your phone and scan it, or if you are reading it on your phone, you can hyper, it's hyperlinked, so you can click on it, and it will open up a window for you to play the music, so that you can hear it in real time with the, uh, with the people, with the characters in the book. I think it's very cool. It's very cool that you have it as an option. I think once people yeah. uh, check it out, I think they will like it, but it's, I think it's very cool. Um, so I'm always curious now how writers come up with storylines for their books. What inspired you to write this book, Calisandra Fraction? That's great. So it actually was inspired from a weird nightmare that I had several years ago. I, in the dream itself, it's very short. <laughs> Woken up in the middle of the night or me in the dream and I'm walking through an old Victorian home like the hue instead of dark being dark like we normally experience had like this indigo a purple kind of indigo color and I look in the living room at this Victorian style couch and suddenly the trunk of a tree comes through the roof into the living room there's no debris and then it's pulled right back out and then shows up in another part of the living room and again no debris almost like there's a puppeteer outside of the house making this happen and it startled me awake and I I remember just having this rush of adrenaline I don't even know why it was scary (laughs) but it 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 felt very scary and um I remember for the following two weeks I just kept thinking about that like what if something so strange unexplainably different showed up in your environment one day and you you couldn't explain it and the landscape changed that would be scary as an adult Mm. and I thought what if you were 16 and your family's gone and you have no one to help you navigate this strange experience and and you need to try to find them and that would be terrifying and I just decided after that you know what I'm just gonna I'm gonna play this story out I'll just start writing and and uh, I started the story like two weeks after that dream happened and it really kind of just took off on its own in many ways mm-hmm and we, and we talked about music, how it's such a unique component to this book. You might have already kind of hinted towards this, but what inspired you to incorporate this music into that experience? No, that's great, because you're right, there were there was that moment with the lyrics, and I was like, it'd be great to hear her. But I there are, you know, three to four songs, there are four songs in total with lyrics, and I just didn't feel like that would be enough. I wanted there to be a soundtrack, and as the story was growing, uh, in this world that Cassie's found herself in, 
it is a highly monitored world. So it's very dangerous for these members of, of this group that's really out there to to help protect uh, vulnerable that they are not able to protect themselves. And so. Uh, one of the things that I thought would help is they hack into a monitoring system that that um, that is recording everybody in this in this particular um, in this particular world. And so when they when these members of this group are communicating, or Marissa is telling Cassie about the danger that she's that she's in uh, through because of certain uh, variables in the story. She has her team hack into this uh, monitoring system and muscle in music. So it sounds like mu- some music is playing. Who's ever looking in on the outside can't hear what's being said, but it opens up the uh, storyline so that I can share this information with the reader through the characters having very uh, dangerous, really dangerous conversations. And so it ended up being a number of, it, it was, it was, uh, I don't know, there was a number of songs and styles for each of these scenes, but music really became a part of it as part of the story itself, but also to create this, you know, this really cinematic type of feeling as people read through it. How did you find musicians, and what was the process like creating music for the scenes in your book? Oh, gosh, this was so much fun. Uh, So I went, I used this online marketplace called Fiverr where you can hire freelancers of all different kinds and and there are musicians. And so once the book was done and and I had written in stylistically, some of the scenes have have a a really hauntingly beautiful piano music and some of it has almost like like a Spanish guitar feel, just depending upon what that character was listening to or what that environment is. And so I went in and just kind of browsed different profiles and, and found musicians whose styles really matched what I imagined those scenes would sound like. And so I had um, a couple of friends and, and my son read through the scenes with music timing themselves so I'd have an understanding of the length of the songs that I would mm. need. And I averaged those times because everyone reads at a different pace, so it's, it's really tricky to map it out perfectly. But I felt that if I have an average time, it should be pretty good. And so once I had the time frame, I would reach out to these musicians and say, listen, here is the scene. This girl, Cassie, she misses her family. Here, she's just found out she is in great danger. She's going through some uh, some situations that she's not really sure how to handle. Here's some emotion I want the music to convey, and here's the style that I want it to sound like in the length of time. And I did that for each of the scenes, depending on the characters that were in, in those scenes and what was the feeling that I wanted the reader really to feel mm-hmm. <laughs> as they're reading the story. And the music is phenomenal. I just am so proud of how it came out. It, Like you said, when you're reading it, it does bring you in in a deeper way that you wouldn't really anticipate unless you experienced it for yourself. So that's just, it just, you're saying that makes this whole vision that I had, uh, it's one of those things that makes it so real and so meaningful. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it's the perfect. It does. It does. It immerses you into the story. And what a fun process that would be to not only write your book, your story, but also now to work with musicians from all over the world to, oh, yeah. 
to, yeah. to to incorporate their music into it and, and, and bring readers in. It's just a very cool concept. Thank you. Is there, a, is there an important concept that you would like to get across in this particular story? Yes. So this world where Cassie has found herself, it, it is it is a very dark world. And uh, it, it's very oppressive. And so with this with the story and the and this Anastasi, this group doing good, the concept would be, you know, that in the face of oppression, that optimism and this mission-driven strength of the collective good can disrupt evil abuses of power, and and that is definitely something that when you read through the book, you'll feel that that's true. And how relevant too, and you know that that, that provides a great relevancy to to the reader what would you say is the most difficult part of writing this story that you experienced well i would say you know initially i think my first thought is always like oh writer's block because definitely writer's block happens Mm -hmm. um but i i I don't think it was the most difficult part i think the most difficult part for me is just time i'm um i when i first began writing the book my son was in high school and I was working full-time in a professional services firm. I am a single mom, and I'm with a really big focus on raising my son to be a man with integrity, and so family time is the most important time of the day for us. And so initially, you know, it was really tricky trying to find time to write, so I would set aside time on the weekends to to map out the story and, and write each chapter. And then once the lyrics, once I got to the part where the music starts picking up and the storyline picks up, this story just took off. And, and I knew it had elements of, of being a bestseller. And so I just felt this drive and energy to just get the story done. And so I would write in the evenings after dinner. I would write on the weekends. And then often I would get up at 3 in the morning and write before my workday started just felt so driven and the story is fascinating too so I just was entertained as I was writing it so there was just a lot going into it I I at the time I just remember thinking I wish I had more time <laughs> wish I had more time to do this so definitely time was my biggest hurdle yeah definitely time I think it w- would have to be the one you know and that what just to hear you describe the process too how exciting is that when you have an idea and you're it's just coming to you flowing out of you and you're so driven to do it you just kind of find your time like you said you're writing whenever you had a chance and that's the exciting thing is when we're driven by something you know how exciting that is it it is it feels so exciting it feels so alive like Mm. i mean i know we're alive but it just it's almost like a buzzing quality to just how exciting it is Mm-hmm. You know, as someone who understands all that goes into writing a book, what makes it worthwhile for you and what are the personal benefits that people wouldn't realize come writing a book? Oh, wow. I think, as I was describing, you you are so driven. And and for me, the process, you know, I know everybody writes in their own style. For me, it's very much like watching a movie and trying to capture it, you know, typing as fast as I can. So... Uh, and, and it is entertaining with that because I am envisioning this story. So I think I think there's an element of, of reading each chapter and being like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I love how this is coming together. And in the end, you hold that final hard copy in your hand and you're like, wow, this book, I did it. I wrote this book. It's 
that that is a huge benefit. But going back to a little bit about what you had said before, I think the biggest benefit for me is is hearing like what you said. I had this vision of adding music to it. It's not an audible book, so it doesn't automatically happen. And and putting all that effort into um, making the book an amazing story just on its own and then adding in those musical elements and hearing people like you say, you know, it, it brought you deeper into the story, that is by far the biggest benefit. Like, it just makes it all worth it, all those hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, to have a passion, to, to, to have... Uh, you know, something that you just love dearly and you, you put your all into it to see your efforts mm-hmm. realized, uh, you know, into mm-hmm. this thing that you have now, this whole body of work, not just a, a reading experience. It's a whole, like you said, cinematic almost experience to it. Mm-hmm. This, what excites me is to hear people like you, because some people, we, we, a lot of people have ideas. A lot of people have mm-hmm. things going on in their, their minds and ideas and they just, but for you to, to, to take the time to find the time and to just let this come out of you and go for it and have this now I just think that's something to be applauded for and I really congratulate you for finishing this and to to share this with us all and so that we can experience this your your story well thank you thank you and you're right you know we, we do have a lot of ideas I think it's really easy to get in our own heads and and say like, oh, well, I can't do it. And <laughs> I won't lie sometimes. And they're like, what am I doing writing this story? But then <laughs> as I'm doing it, I'm like, no, it's it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, we sometimes I think we just need to get out of our way and be like, you know, and remember, we know enough. We know enough and, and not listen to things outside of ourselves that might point in another direction. I think we we are more capable and more talented and, and have more opportunities than I think we initially believe. We'll be back right after this. Hey everyone, Josh here from On the Road Again with Josh. Say, I hope you're loving my new show. And did you know that I record my show using Anchor? Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you about it real quick and why I love it. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. Number one, it's free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone and computer. I did mine right from my phone, actually. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need to make a great podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm and get started today. Calisandra Fractured. A dangerous secret and enemies everywhere. What would you do to survive? When disaster hits and a dark family secret is revealed, Cassie must come to terms with the terrible realization that nothing is as it seems. A dangerous secret and enemies everywhere, Cassie becomes Calisandra and must find the strength and courage to fight for her life and the ones she loves while doing everything she can to survive. 
author Stephanie Douglas brings us Colossandra Fractured. And here is a clip of the music you can expect. Everyone, we have been talking with Stephanie Douglas, author of the dystopian thriller, Calisandra Fractured. Stephanie, when it comes to decisions about where to take the story next and character development, did you have an inner circle of support that you trusted to give you their input? Oh yeah, that's a great question. I did, and I, I, have, I really kept it very small. It was my son, and then also a really good friend of mine, my best friend, really, who is uh, who happens to be a literary major, and, and that's I, I love her enthusiasm as my good friend to be a part of this process. But really, I relied heavily on on just her. she's an avid reader, but having this major uh, really wanting to make sure I got all of the components right. Uh, my son. Uh, well, as you might imagine, with many people who are creative, or maybe even not creative, I can be very sensitive when mm. it comes to talking about this book because it's so precious to me. It's like my baby, you know, and I was hoping, you know, everybody would be like, your baby's so beautiful, I love it. <laughs> and, and I do still want that, I won't lie. Um, but I, it doesn't help you make it to the best it can be if you're unwilling to hear uh, truth about times when when certain characters maybe it might not be going in a believable direction. And so I really relied heavily on my son who uh, knew, he, you know, he only wants me to be happy and he knew it would crush me if there were problems with the story. So he and I would often go on drives and I would tell him about, like, here's the storyline, here's where, you know, here's some characters where I think the characters are going and how they're interacting. And he was always honest and he would say, you know what, that doesn't work and here's why. <laughs> or that's great, keep going with that, or you've got that spot on. But, you know, he would always be very honest on, on what it, it, what wasn't working. And, and same with music. When I, I ended up writing the melodies and vocalized the songs with lyrics. And so when I came up with those melodies, you know, there were times where he would say, I just don't think that sounds right. I don't think that sounds as good as it could be. And so I would go back and work on it. I think he's probably the only person who could say that to me without <laughs> wounding me. <laughs> but he was right, and so I would work on them. And, and then when he loved it, he's like, yes, that's it. Don't don't let, he's like, I've got goosebumps. Don't let anybody change, let you change that. And so I would say like that feedback, and, and on the flip side, 
you know, my really, my best friend, she would, uh, she would read each chapter as I finished it. And then she would tell me what she loved about it and then go into detail as to why, why that was unique or why it, it took it in a direction she didn't anticipate it going and why that made it better. And, and so it, I had like these two sides of the coin. One was very serious, but indirect and made it better. And the other was very enthusiastic and encouraging, but also very specific so that I would make sure that the next chapters incorporated those very important components of a really good story. And so, yeah, definitely I had, I had the best of both worlds for me. I think that's really cool that you involved your son and your best friend too, um, because like we were talking about, you know, we sometimes we have these ideas that we really hold on to that we hold precious. You know, like you said, our babies, and yeah. uh, we can get really hurt when there's criticism sometimes. So, <laughs> but that's an important element, like you said, to just dig deeper and to really develop where it could really go. And so, I think that's an important thing you hit on there is. Um, you know, being open to, you know, constructive criticism and, and really positive yeah. support. It's not always easy, but it was exactly right and, and always done with love, for mm-hmm. sure. Now, perseverance and confidence are important elements of writing a book. I would say they're also important elements of success. Was there someone yes. in your life who pushed you, you to believe in yourself? Yes, without a doubt. That would have to be my um, my dance teacher when I was younger. Uh, her name was Claudette Walker. Uh, I didn't start dance when mo- uh, many uh, young people do. Like I, Many of my friends who had studied their whole life started at three years old or four years old. Uh, for me, I was 14. Uh, what had happened is I had, um, <laughs> I had done some really bad disco choreography on my own with my friends, and we were messing around. And... Um, <laughs> it involved a, a kick and the splits and a getting back up, and I injured my hip. I injured myself um, <laughs> doing this very poorly executed routine. And um, I, my doctor said that, you know, in order to heal from this injury, I was going to need physical therapy. And so we just couldn't afford it at that time. And we'd had a lot of things going on at home, and, and so the money just wasn't there. And I was, I remember thinking, you know, what about ballet? You know, would that seems like it might do a similar type of, have a similar type of benefit as physical therapy. And so I looked up and found a 12 week class at Claudette Walker School of Dance. And, um, and my, I talked my mom into it. We could afford it. it, was in our budget. So I went to this class and I fell in love. I just, it was the first time that doing choreography that I didn't come up with so that was that was actually a plus but mostly that it was beautiful choreography and in doing it I was for the first time able to express emotion in a way that made me feel beautiful and I just wanted to be there all the time we couldn't be there all the time but I I remember falling in love with it and and they had a performance group and I'd asked um, Claudette one day how do you get into the performance group and she said, well, you have to take a minimum of two classes a week to be eligible, and then you have to audition. And so I'd asked my mom if, if she thought we could manage two classes, and, and we just didn't have that in our budget. So I had told Claudette, and she um, she must have just seen the, the sadness in my eyes that, we couldn't, that it wasn't going to work out. And she said, you know, you pick up dance really quickly. You pick up the steps. Why don't you 
um, if you come in, uh, why don't you like answer phones and clean, you know, clean up the studio and, and, you know, pull people aside and help them catch up on the steps in case they've missed them or they're not picking them up as quickly. And if, if you can do that, then you can take as many classes as you want. And I was like, oh, my gosh, really? So I took 14 classes a week. I was always there. I loved it. And um, I took it very seriously that she had given me this opportunity. So I answered all the phones. I made sure it was clean. The studio was clean at the end of the evening. I pulled people aside who'd missed class and taught them the sessions. And I would practice each routine at 5 in the morning before school so that I'd be sure to know it. And... um, after about six months of just really working hard, I auditioned and I was in, I made it into the performance group and performed with them for two years. Mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I think why I, I think she's like that person who gives me that perseverance and confidence is, you know, she didn't see the fact that I was starting so late at 14. She didn't see that as a limitation. In fact, she didn't see limitations in me. She was just, um, I think just her believing that, you know what, if you want something, if you put effort into it, it, you can have that thing that you want. And it really helped me to not see limitations in myself and, Mm. and, and, and have the confidence to like, you know, to have that idea and write it out, even though that's not my given, or that wasn't my given profession at the time. So definitely I would say Claudette. You know, I always love listening to these type of stories where we find out who was that person that inspired them or instilled that belief. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting sometimes where that can come from. Like for you, it was Claudette. And uh, just to kind of, you know, inspire you and keep that per- perseverance going throughout your life. That is really, I think, just, uh, I-, I love hearing those those stories. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, sure. I think too, like we had people that, and they don't know the impact. I don't think she ever really realized the gift that she gave me and, and everyone else who came and danced in her studio. I mean, I'm sure have you had people in your life too that inspired you in a very similar way? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think like you said, they don't know at the time it's a gift, Mm -hmm. you know, and then for you to recognize it was a gift though. And to, like you said, you made sure you were there for your classes. You took 14 a week. You were, you were making sure everything was good, clean. So you appreciated that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I record, really did. That, that is, that's some the drive I'm talking about too a little bit is, you know, you just, when you have an opportunity like that you're, and you, you appreciate it, it's amazing where it can take you and what you can learn from that experience. Yeah, I think it brings a little fearlessness too because I think we're so easy – I mean, don't get me wrong. There are still moments that I have self-doubt, but I'm able to overcome the, that self-doubt when when it does show up. And I, I think because of things like that, where there are these hurdles where someone's like, you started dance at 14, there's no way you could be part of the performance group. And I'm like, I, I didn't, that was never saturated into my head, I think because of her. And yeah, so it's it's pretty, it's, it's a gift that continues to give to me even today. Absolutely. Shout out to all those uh, out there like Claudette giving gifts. They don't even realize it. Um, Very awesome. From your perspective, Stephanie, what makes your book, uh, Calisandra Fractured, relatable? We kind of hit on some relevancy earlier on, but 
Um, what what do you think is relatable? Uh, this kind of a book that readers don't want to miss out on. Founder Fractured Relatable is that notion, kind of like what we are talking about a, a little bit ago, this notion of moving forward in spite of fear. I, I think in life we are often tasked with having to make decisions um, where the outcomes are uncertain or, or we're so nervous about if, what will happen if we make the wrong decisions. What are the consequences of those? I, I think that that is something that people will really relate with the characters, especially Cassie, through the story. I will say that the, the consequences of the decisions Cassie has to make are very compelling and, and definitely worth checking out. I won't give too much away, but they are definitely really um, not your standard types of decisions. And there's, a, there's, there's reason for her to feel fearful, um, but also feel powerful at the end of the story of, of really what she was able to accomplish. What made the theme of strength, courage, and fighting for one's life something you wanted to explore in your story? So while I was writing, while I was writing, I was really in the beginning of the story, probably in the first 100 pages of it, when I got called to jury duty. And so I ended up being picked for this jury, and the case was about a young woman who had met this man who was treated her kindly, um, listened to her, took her to dinner, and, and just listened to the hardship that she had been experiencing in her life. And then as he was, what she thought was driving her home, uh, he ended up driving her uh, 100 miles away and forced her into prostitution. And he took her phone and her clothes, and he took her ID and knew where she lived. She had a young daughter, like I think a four- or five-year-old daughter, and, and he um, threatened to harm her daughter if she tried to escape. And and she had no reason to not believe that he would do exactly that. She knew that um, he knew where she lived. And so she ended up being one of the witnesses during the trial. And her testimony was just emotional, and it really hit me hard. You know, I just thought she was so brave um, when she ended up being arrested by the police and um, initially telling them that, you know, no one had forced her into this because she was just terrified about what would happen to her family. And the Orange County officer, um, he is—he uh, was able to convince her to help trap him <laughs> through text messaging, and they were and 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 so she would communicate with him. He communicated back. They were able to arrest him, and then and she was able to get back to her daughter, and he was wow. found guilty uh, of this. And so I think just the um, just the the part of of you know, being in a dangerous situation and trying to find your way out and not really seeing that is definitely a part of the story that this, this isn't the same story. Like the story that Cassie is, is, is definitely different from, from what that uh, trial was about. Uh, but I think that have the fear of having to fight for your life, seeking back to your family is very much a part of this story. Definitely. What a horrific uh, experience oh. there. Yeah, I can see how that would be an element that you used for your book. So emotional, and, and you're right, because you're in it, you're feeling that emotion, and even though the story is not the same story, that it can't help but find its way in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it, it definitely has in there. Oh, I'm so glad that he was found guilty and that uh, the mother is safe yeah. and reunited with the daughter. That's, that's great. Yes. What do you like best about the way your book, Calisandra Fractured, turned out? 
I love the story. I love how the story turned out and the music. I am incredibly proud of the music. It is beautiful. But what I love most about the way Calisandra Fracture turned out is that people are consistently surprised with the way it ends. Um, I have not had anyone be able to uh, let me to say that it didn't surprise them. They they just don't see it coming, and that is the biggest treat. That's like the cherry on top of everything that's good about this story. So we have a we have a beautiful surprise at the end, then. Um, but you know what else? Like you said, what what surprise? If you're not sure, you know about music in in reading you would be surprised i think you'll be really surprised because you're right this the music is beautiful it's better than you would think it's 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 amazing and it fits just so well oh that is that's music to my ears that just squeezes my heart thank you (laughs) you're you're welcome thank you was there anything that you have learned from your previous experience writing uh, Calisandra Fractured that will help you with penning your next one? Yes, I think the biggest thing that I learned is, you know, I had mentioned writer's block. You hear about it all the time, and and, and, I, and, and maybe that's a personal experience for each writer. For me, initially, I was very judgmental. <laughs> I would show up, I'm like, I would, you know, accuse myself of trying to procrastinate, which isn't in my personality. I don't know why I went there. But it, 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 I would I would use negativity to try to be my motivator to get out of it, and, and it never worked. I was ne- it was <laughs> never successful. And so one day while it was I was in a it was in one one of the scenes that I was writing, I had that blank page, and I was just thinking, you know, what is this blank page really about? And what I realized was it's that I. That that part of the story where I wanted it to go was too broad. It was too broad, or I wasn't visualizing what that scene looked like, um, or the the characters, you know, weren't um, weren't going in the right direction to meet that objective that I had for them. And once I took a step back and fine tuned, like really narrow, zoomed in on what it was that that needed to be accomplished, what did it look like, um, then that blank page always went away. And I think um, that's something that, you know, when you write, this is this, I envision this series to be a three book series. So I'm right now I'm writing book two. I'm uh, about a hundred page into it, but initially coming to page one, you're faced with that blank page. And, And I think having that caring part of me say, you know, you're facing a blank page. You just need to narrow down what it is that you want from that, the impact of that first scene, that first page to have on the reader, and immediately that information came. So I, I think it, there's, there's a little bit of a, you've got to have a little kindness with yourself. Um, it's a lot more effective, and you get things done more quickly than, than the judgmental part. That just wasn't, it was a waste of time, but I did it anyway. I, I, I won't lie, it was, it was definitely a part of the process. <laughs> You you know, and negativity can be such a, a um, circle, like a, a just a, a spiral. Yeah. You know, where it just never works. It's never good. You're right. You are faced with the blank page once again, and so exciting. I was just gonna ask you, do you have any ideas? And so this will be a three book series. You think then? Yes, yes. So I have it mapped out for the for three books, uh, and I'm. Uh, I have the trajectory of that. So book one ends with a little bit of a cliffhanger, but it, you're going to be really satisfied with the way that it ends. It's not a, it's a cliffhanger that you're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. What happens next? And so it jumps right into full action. 
into book two, which is so much fun. And I'm, I'm having a lot of fun writing it, so it's, it's exciting. That is very exciting. And um, when you're enjoying the process, that just makes things more fun. And, and, and I think it adds to the overall result, too. And so just congratulations on what you're doing. Thank you. Um, have thank fun. You. Yes, thank you. Have fun continuing on writing this, this series. We'll look forward to the first part, Calisandra Fractured. Where The important question here, Stephanie, is where can we find Calisandra Fractured? <laughs> <laughs> yes, great. Yes, yeah, so Calisandra Fractured, the book, and if you want to buy the soundtrack separately, they can both be found at Amazon. That said, the QR codes are in the book, so you can scan all of them. They're, they're throughout the story, but I've also placed them at the back of the book so you can hear them um, as frequently as you would like. But some people like to purchase them separately, so that is an option on Amazon. You can also go, as you did, you can go to my website, which is www.calisandra, which is spelled C-A-L-L-A-S, a-N-D-R-A dot com where they can also read an excerpt from the book while hearing the song that was designed to play during that scene. Uh, so I think that, that's probably the best way for people to find it. Very awesome. So I'll make sure to put some links in the description so we can all head over to Amazon. Stephanie, I thank you for being on the show. Oh my gosh. Thanks, Josh, for having me. This was so much fun. Reliving it and and, and getting to share it with you in a way and, and that you really understood it. And, and again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for reading the excerpt and, and talking about what that experience was for you. Like that is just the best. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you. I had so much fun learning about you and your book, Stephanie. Everyone, that was Stephanie Douglas, author of the dystopian thriller, Calisandra Fractured. This really, guys, is an amazing body of work and the fact that she just said it's going to be part of a, a three-part series is fascinating really guys i checked out an excerpt of this book and it, it it really is does no justice for me to describe to you how well the music plays with what you're reading it really takes you into the story it is like a cinematic experience it's like taking reading to a whole nother level i have never um, experienced reading like that before. So unique and so different and it works. It works really well. You can tell that Stephanie put a lot of work into this and guys, it's definitely worth out checking. So I'm going to make sure to leave some links uh, in the description to Amazon where you can find this book. And the music, I can't say enough about it. The music is really beautiful and she worked with musicians all over the world to contribute to this and to make that element of the book really immersive. So guys, head over to www.calisandra.com to learn more about Stephanie Douglas. That's www.calasandra.com. Calisandra.com. Thank you, Stephanie, for being on the show today. As always, thank you to all my guests who are on my show, and thank you for listening and tuning in with us today. Remember, you can find all my episodes anywhere you like to listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. You can also go to my website, which is www.hellomynameisjosh.com. That's www.hellomynameisjosh.com. If you have any questions for me or any one of my guests, you can email me at josh at Hello, my name is Josh.com. 
Guys, I really appreciate you for taking the time to tune in and spend some time with me as we learn about these fascinating guests like Stephanie Douglas today. Guys, until next time, thank you, be awesome, and I'll talk to you later.